was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. Today, I am very glad to be joined by our guest, veteran Broadway dancer Eileen Casey. Eileen Casey has appeared in classic musicals such as Unsinkable Molly Brown, Dancing, Pippin, My One and Only, The Pajama Game, Seesaw, Sugar, Promises, Promises, Mame, West Side Story, Hello Dolly, and alongside almost every Broadway star and choreographer, including Mary Martin, Ethel Merman, Cab Calloway, Tommy Toon, Bob Fosse, Gower Champion, and more. But first, a little note. At the very beginning, there was someone else in the room with Miss Casey, and you can hear their reactions, too, somewhat like a three-way conversation. I hope you enjoy the interview. How did you first become interested in theater and dancing? Well, um, when I was a little girl in Boston, where, where where do you live? I live on the Upper East Side in Manhattan. Oh, oh, oh so you're in New York. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, I, I was I was born in Boston and raised there, and I I was always dancing around, and I loved seeing all the old musical movies, like with Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and all those beautiful old movie musicals. And so I got interested that way. And then I would put on little shows in the neighborhood and and went to dance school, the local dance school in Boston. And um, I was always interested in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it all started. And, and when I was young too, um, kids weren't as, as interested in sports then as more dance schools now now everything seems to be sports oriented you know they and baseball and hockey and all those things and it was a little more dance dance school then yeah so who were some of your early mentors and teachers um well um the local dance schools when I was there in Boston, nobody famous there, but uh, my dance teacher would take us to New York at Christmas time on Christmas school vacation. And um, we'd go to the local schools then and take class like at ballet theater and some jazz classes. I can't remember their names though. I was very young. I was only about 11 or 12. And we come on on Christmas vacation from school, and New York was exciting then, you know, and it was very exciting. Yeah. So, how did you train in dancing beyond dance school, like in college and high school? Even? Well, I didn't. I didn't go to college. I came to New York when I was um, eighteen, and um, the teacher I was studying with in Boston in my teen years. She was very interested in Margaret Krask at the Metropolitan 
Boston Opera Ballet School. So she invited her to come to give guest classes in Boston in a town called uh, Andover. No, not Andover, Arlington, Arlington. And so I knew her. So when I came to New York, I went to the old Metropolitan Opera Ballet School and I studied with Margaret Krask and Alfredo Corvino and Anthony Tudor. And then I went to all the local jazz teachers like Matt Maddox and Luigi and people like that, you know, and um, studied with all of them. And then I got my first summer stock job the first year I was in New York and I got my equity card, my union actor's equity card. And I did um, residence stock in Dayton, Ohio, where we did a, a new Broadway show every week, a new musical every oh. week. Yeah. So it was great experience. You know, we'd rehearse during the day and then do the show at night and then rehearse the next week's show during the day. Yeah. So in what other ways did you sort of pursue a career in dance before you started working on Broadway? Um, pursue a dance in, um, well, I did the summer stock. And then another first job I got was a, a television commercial for Welsh's Juice. And I got that because I went to a, a, a New Jersey ballet company audition and the woman was uh, uh, friends with somebody in an ad agency on Madison Avenue. And uh, she said she was auditioning some dancers for this commercial. So we went there and I got the job. And so that was really the first job I got was this television commercial. And then I got the summer stock job. And then I got my first Broadway show. Unsink so yeah. how, did, how did you audition for The Unsinkable Molly Brown? How did I audition? Well, I went to the, um, they would have these great big calls, you know, they'd post it at the union and tell you what time and place. And it was at the Winter Garden Theater on the stage. And I went to the audition and they kept eliminating people from the group. And I was kept at the audition. Then they had what they called a callback, a final call. So that's when Peter Gennaro, the choreographer, was there. And I auditioned then for the callback. And um, it was long. And I got the job. I got the job. And I'm still in touch with some of the people that I did my first Broadway show with. Yeah. Oh, really? It was exciting. What was the experience like of making your Broadway debut? Oh, it was very exciting. I, my parents came up from Boston and they came to the opening night, which was probably a mistake because, you know, you need a few days or a week to kind of get into the show. But yeah. I was so inexperienced, I didn't realize that. And I should have waited a few days just to kind of get used to the whole thing. Oh, wow. But then, um, but then um, what happened was tragic. The night I was dancing with my partner, I had a costume with a lot of draping and chiffon draping, and it was tacked to my shoulder and had a big hat on too, and, and it was tacked to my shoulder, and all of a sudden the tacking came off, and all this costume was dragging on the floor. And every time I went to pick up the, the, the chiffon from the floor, my partner would pull me 
and keep dancing. And so uh, I just kept trying to pick it up and he would pull me and he kept dancing. And, <laughs> and then when the number was over, I kind of felt like crying because I, I said, oh, my Broadway debut is ruined. My costume fell apart and maybe they'll fire me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, but they didn't fire me, but uh, <laughs> but I, I was very young and naive and I just was so worried that I, I just thought my Broadway debut was ruined and, and my parents were out there and, and I, I just felt bad about that, you know, so, <laughs> but now I can laugh about it because I'm older and more experienced, you know, so. So how much sort of rehearsal or separate direction did you receive going into the show as a replacement? Um, well, we rehearsed for a week or two, I think, a week or two, because uh, I had like a featured dance part in the show, oh. the uh, belly up scene where she does belly up to the bars and then there's three dancers that come out the three they call them prostitutes the three bar girls well I was one of them so I had a little separate dance solo in it you know and that went very well my costume stayed on during that <laughs> I didn't fall apart then but um but I had a did have a featured dance part so um you know, and, and at the audition, they taught some of that um, section of the dance. So I, I knew it already, you know, so we were a little bit ahead. So, you know, and, and they gave some of the other steps from the choreography at the audition when they auditioned us so that we kind of had, a, 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 a you know, a little experience um, learning the choreography already, you know, but it takes a week or two sometimes. Mm -hmm. When a, a new show, it takes longer, four to six weeks, because they're putting it all together. Yeah. And so then after Molly Brown, um, I came back to New York and I did a few little tiny little jobs. I did a job in Atlantic City and just little things. And then I did Summer Stock again, where I did a, a Molly Brown and Summer Stock. And then I auditioned for a show called No Strings. And I got that, which was another tour. We were on Broadway for a few weeks and then we went on tour with that. And that was with Barbara McNair and Howard Keel. The original people were Richard Kiley and Diane Carroll. Yeah, for no strings. And um, um, then I did that for a while. Then I came back and I did West Side Story at New York City Center with a lot of the original people from West Side Story. And just shows kept going one after another after that, which I was very lucky, you know? And, and I did West Side Story in Tokyo, Japan for Tony Mordente, who was in the original West Side Story and the film, and the film of West Side. So I'm, I want to ask you a little bit more about going on tour. So you went on tour with No Strings and also later, I believe, with Molly Brown as well. So do you enjoy going on tour? Do you did I what? Did I enjoy that? Yeah. Do you? Yes, I did. Yeah, because I had never traveled that much prior to the tours. So I saw a lot of different states and uh, sure. different theaters you're in a different theater almost every week city. you know different cities and different food and it was the first time i went to california 
And California was, Los Angeles was very nice then. It's not, it's it was change. clean and pretty and nice. The country change. You know, mm -hmm. now it's not so nice in LA, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, it was exciting, very exciting to see new places. So when you are on tour, how much of the Broadway choreography and direction is the same or is the same as? Usually the same. It's usually exactly the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they want to show people on tour the exact choreography. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. So you worked on No Strings with Joe Layton, who was a great choreographer. Joe Layton, yes, I loved. And he did a great job staging No Strings. It was beautiful, very beautiful. And the music is beautiful. Richard Rogers wrote the music mm -hmm. from Rogers and Hammerstein. Oh, really? But he wrote it all by himself, and there were no... Um, no strings that's why they called it no strings there were no strings in the in the music instruments. just oh. instruments and it was beautiful so at this point when you were starting out broadway was mostly separated into a singing and a dancing chorus so you were mostly a dancer but were you also trained in singing and acting well i i was um i wasn't um I wasn't trained as well as the kids are today. They're more, they're more trained in singing. I wasn't really, I was primarily a dancer and didn't have much experience in singing. I noticed that the kids today are much more well-rounded in singing and acting. Um, but I remember in No Strings, the stage manager, he was interested in acting and he wanted to have like a little, uh, uh, acting class during the tour and I was one of the few people that joined his acting class and so I was always interested in acting uh, I think a little bit more than most dancers were at the time you know yeah. and so I've kind of kind of gotten into acting a little more I've done some commercials and things and I'd like to act a little more you know and most dancers go into teaching or just leave the business, but I kind of, kind of like to go into acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did you come to perform in West Side Story at City Center? At City Center? Well, I was subletting an apartment on 49th Street from a, a dancer who had done a lot of shows. His name was Bob Bacanic, and he was going to um, Las Vegas to do a show when they used a lot of dancers and shows in Las Vegas in the early 60s. And um, I was subletting his apartment and he mentioned to me that they were having this audition for West Side Story and he told me I should go and he told me what I should wear. And he oh. said, wear black tights and a white sweatshirt because that was what Jerome Robbins had his dancers wear when Jerome Robbins did Ballet's USA, his company. So I went to the audition and I got the job. <laughs> and uh, that I, that's what I wore. And I remember having to sing a little bit um, at the audition and I did get the job. And we rehearsed for four weeks and then we played New York City Center. That was before Lincoln Center was even built. And uh, it was at New York City Center on 54th, 54th Street, 55th Street. 
and that's where we did it and it was played for four weeks and then a few months later i did the tokyo company of west side and jerome robbins came to both and and uh rehearsed us for both performances for both the productions so were you doing all of the original choreography in both yes oh yes definitely yeah oh yeah 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 they don't change it because um they you know especially when you're working with the people that created it they want the original choreography you know and uh I guess maybe if somebody remounts the show now, they may change things. Like the new production of West Side that was at the Broadway. Did you see it? I I didn't, but I think they did change the choreography. They changed it. They did change it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I never got a chance to see it. And now I don't know if it'll happen again with the pandemic and everything, you know. But I what was the experience like doing theater in Tokyo? Like you were saying, you toured. Oh, it was amazing. And I didn't really want to go when I got the job because it was for nine weeks. And I didn't want to leave New York. I wanted to stay in New York and get another Broadway show. I didn't want to go away, you know, and I wasn't happy about it. And I just said, oh, I want to stay here and do a Broadway show. and. I have to go to Tokyo for nine weeks. It felt like forever. But then it was the first time I was out of the country. So I fell in love with it. It was great. And and uh, one of the boys and the boy dancers in the company was from the Met Opera Ballet Company. And so he, he and I would go to ballet class. He would teach a ballet class for some of the Japanese students. And so I'd go with him and we'd take the subway in Tokyo and going to take ballet class there and and uh, it was fascinating because it was a whole new experience for me and now I'm happy that I did go but I felt at the time I felt like I was missing auditions in New York and it was taking me away from getting another Broadway show you know but but it was a great experience. Have you gotten the chance to do other theater out of the country or? Um I did my one and only, I did Hello Dolly, and we went back the following year to Tokyo again, so I saw a lot of the old places I knew from the year before um, with Westside, and um, I did Hello Dolly with Mary Martin and Carlton Carpenter, and um, who else was in it? I can't think of all the people. You could look that up on Google, I think, maybe. Yeah. And... um, then uh, years later, I went back to uh, Tokyo with my one and only with Tommy Toon and Sandy Duncan. Yeah, so but I never, I didn't, uh, uh, that, that was the only country, other country I've performed in. Yeah. So as you were mentioning, your next show on Broadway was Hello, Dolly. So wh- while you were in it, which Dollies did you get to work with? Mary Martin. And then after Mary Martin, we got Betty Grable because Mary Martin and the principals in the show went to London to do the London company. And so they left and we got Betty Grable to take over the role. And we uh, toured the country for about six weeks for her to get used to the part. And then we went to Las Vegas and I was there for a year in Las Vegas with Betty Grable. Then I came back to New York 
And I went into the New York company of Hello Dolly. And um, then I, as, when I was in the New York company, I auditioned for a, a show that Jack Cole was doing called Mata Hari. And okay. I got that. I did. I worked with Jack Cole on that. But unfortunately, it didn't make it to Broadway. We closed out of town, which some shows do. They close, you know, if they're not making it. So I came back to New York and um, uh, then I got a, a, a job working in Florida at the Coconut Grove Playhouse with Ethel Merman doing Call Me Madam with oh. Ethel Merman. Yeah. And, and um, she was great. And then after that, what did I do? I came back. Oh, and I did MAME. I did a show called MAME. I, I want to ask you another question about Hello, Dolly. So was there a Dolly through all the ones you worked with that, that you preferred or? Um, well, they were both different. I worked with those two, Mary Martin. She wasn't as friendly as Betty Grable. Mary Martin was kind of like not as friendly and kind of kept to herself and didn't mix in with the cast. And Betty Grable was much friendlier. And she, you know, she talked to us and socialized with us. Yeah. So did, did you get to work with Gower Champion as the choreographer? Yes, yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, he was hard. Yeah. Yep. He was very demanding. And I did work with him. Yes. I worked with him again in a show called Sugar. Um, oh, yeah. He choreographed Sugar with Bobby Morrison, Tony Roberts, and Elaine Joyce. Yeah. So you were mentioning that you were working on Mata Hari. Um, but I believe David Merrick produced that show? Yes, he and did produce it, yes. What were and your interactions like with him? Um, I, he was very good. He was very... Um, you know, very dedicated to the show. And I think he had one or two other shows he was producing at the time. I think he had a show called How Now Dow Jones and yeah. maybe something else, but he had a couple of things going on at the same time we were doing Mata Hari. And um, for, some, for some reason, Jack Cole never could really finish the choreography in Mata Hari and David Merrick was not happy with um, Jack Cole's work in the show. And Vince, also Vincent Minnelli was directing Mata Hari. He was a big movie director years ago and he's Liza Minnelli's father. And um, I think David Merrick decided that he was just going to close Mata Hari and spend his attention on his other shows that he was producing. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what happened there. Yeah. Do you think that maybe there could have been a way for it to succeed or? Well, I was talking to someone, a dancer um, that I worked with in the show the other day. It was one of the most beautiful shows. Joel Melzina did the um, scenery and Irene Sheriff did the costumes and Wooly Schlepp. Schlapp, I think his name was, did all the hats and the music was beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful shows I've ever done. And I feel that 
if all the ingredients of the show came together, it would have been a big, beautiful hit. Yeah. You know, because the scenery was so beautiful and the costumes were so beautiful. We had the best people creating the show. Yeah. It was visually beautiful. So you came into the show MAME where you played... So you appeared in the musical MAME. So describe sort of what your role was in MAME and how you got it. I was a dancer in the show. I did all the dance numbers. And I got called when I was doing Call Me Madam with Ethel Merman in Florida. They called me up because I had auditioned prior to going to Florida. And they called me up and, and wanted me to be in the in MAME. And so as soon as I finished uh, Call Me Madam, I went into uh, rehearsed for MAME. And um, yeah, but um, I'll have to check on that IBDB. They, sometimes they make mistakes with that. But I didn't really have a part. They did want me to understudy Ito in the oh. uh, We Need a Little Christmas, that song. They did want me to understudy that because I'm only 5'2", I'm little. and um, But at the time, I was only 25, and I, I was a little nervous about singing on stage. I had never done that by myself. And yeah. I kind of shied away from it, which was a big mistake. I should have just plunged in and did it, you know, because yeah. it was a great number in the show, a fun number. And it didn't take much vocal expertise, you know. Yeah. So, and it was a very fun number. I should have done that. Yeah, I missed, I missed that opportunity. You know, I mean, I always tell my granddaughter, don't, don't um, take every opportunity that comes your way when you're young. Because now I have regrets of some of the things that I missed yeah. that I didn't do, you know. Yeah. So I want to ask you uh, about a thing you were saying earlier, which is, what was it like to work with Ethel Merman doing the role in Call Me Madam? Oh, she was great. She's so professional. Every night, it was like opening night on Broadway. She was, her costumes were perfect. Her hair was perfect. Every, her performance was perfect. And she never fooled around on stage. She was highly professional. And she didn't like the cast behind her to fool around or make any kind of noise that she didn't like. She was, but she wasn't friendly with us. She didn't mix in with us or anything. She didn't socialize with us. She kept to herself, you know, and yeah, but she was extremely professional and she did a great job every night. It was like opening night for her on Broadway every night. So another great actress of the theater who you worked with was Angela Lansbury on MAME. So what was she like? Well, I didn't, I went into MAME a month after she left to do that show, Dear World. Did you ever hear of Dear World? That show, Dear World? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she left to do that. And I came into the show with a lady called Janice Page. So I missed working with Angela. And, um, but then when I, in MAME, I worked with Janice Page, Jane Morgan, and the last one to play on Broadway was Ann Miller, the tap dancer. Yeah. But um, I did a show in a, in a dinner theater in Glen Cove, Long Island. Uh, I did cabaret 
and Angela's son was in the show. And so Angela did come to see the show. So I did meet her and get to know her then when she came to see the show at this dinner theater. So, you know, and so I kind of missed working with her. She's one of the few stars that I never worked with. But I did know her and meet her and, you know, yeah. So what did you think of the three mains you worked with, either as compared to each other or just on their own? Well, they were uh, each were great. They were all individual. Janice Page was amazing. She's an old, she was like an old movie star from way back. And you might see some old movies that she was in. And she was beautiful and very professional. And then we got Jane Morgan, who was a great singer. She sang beautifully, but she wasn't really from the theater. She did kind of like recordings and nightclubs. And she would kind of come in late and her hair was in rollers and and she wasn't like a theater person, you know, but she did a great job and she sang the score beautifully. And then Ann Miller, of course, is, you know, bigger than life. And she changed the choreography. We had a big jitterbug number in the show and she changed that to put a big tap number in the show for her, for herself and her boys around her. And she, so we didn't have to do the jitterbug number. The, the song was How Young I Feel. And she changed it to a tap number for herself. And she was great too. They were all hard workers, you know, yeah. and they always did a great job. So yeah. what was your interaction like with Jerry Herman? Jerry? Oh yeah, I loved his music. I think he was underrated in a way. He wrote some beautiful songs. And he was very friendly, very friendly, very down to earth and socialized with us. And I, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved his music. He wrote so many great songs. Yeah. And I think Mame in a way was kind of an underrated musical. I think it was a great musical. You know, it was, it was great. Yeah. So around this time, you worked with many great choreographers, including Anna White and Peter Gennaro. So right. what, what, who were some of your favorites to work with? Who were some of your favorite choreographers? Um, well, I have to say Bob Fosse, of course, yeah. because not that he was that social, but that it was interesting. And it, he was demanding and you could act as well as dance. And, um, of course, Jerome Robbins, too. He was another one who's, who was very demanding and yeah. wanted high-quality work. And um, Joe Layton, I thought, was a great stager. It's hard to say the favorites because they're all so different, you know? Yeah. They're all different, and they all each have their own talent. And, um, you know, none of them, like, were real socializing with us or hanging out with us or anything. There was always a dis difference between they were the choreographer and we were the dancers, you yeah. know? So it was, there was a little separation there. We didn't just hang out like all the kids together or anything. Good. So something you did around this time was appear in the star-studded Millican Breakfast Show on TV. Right, the Millican shows, they were great. They were so great at the old Waldorf Astoria Hotel and in the Grand Ballroom. 
And my first show was 1970, and um, I was very excited. And um, I was working at Bucks County at the time doing a, a show there, and I had to take the train into audition and uh, call the callback, and and um, I got the show, and it was so exciting. The great thing about the Millican show was if you were in a Broadway show, you could do the Millican show and the Broadway show. So you were working mm -hmm. two jobs at one time. So you got two paychecks too. And so because you rehearsed the Millican show during the day and you did your Broadway show at night and they worked this, their rehearsal schedule around your Broadway show also. And, and, and it was, they treated us beautifully and always had breakfast for us, Danish and coffee and juice and, and chocolates in the afternoon. And, and then we had four weeks of rehearsal and then we went over to the Waldorf and um, we had a week there or two weeks there. And that um, was great, two and a half weeks actually. And then at the end of the show, um, they gave us a bonus check, a thank you bonus check. Oh. And it was great. And they treated us beautifully. And and it was a breakfast show and an, a champagne afternoon show. Um, so they had the breakfast and, and they gave us breakfast after the show. And then they had champagne in the afternoon and things like that. And then when they, and then if you were in a Broadway show at the time doing the Millican, they had limos to take us to our stage door. Wow. And they gave us a little box lunch because we didn't have time to buy dinner. So they gave us sandwiches and soda and apples and stuff and to take with us to our theater in a limo. <laughs> from the Waldorf to the theater area, which was very nice, you know. So we were treated the best, the best. Yeah. You know, so, so what were some of the dances you did and the products that you advertised? Um, for the, for the, well, it was mostly for designers of clothes. So like Jonathan Logan, Bobby Brooks, all these old dress designers. And the Millican company made fabric that these designers yeah. bought. They bought the fabric to make their clothes. So we would have to, and they changed all the lyrics to, yeah. um, to uh, go to the product of, of, the, of the designer. And so they used all music, standard music, but they changed the lyrics to fit the designers. Yeah. And we would do a little bit of a dance and then all of a sudden say Bobby Brooks saying advertising the clothes. If this was Bobby Brooks clothes, I would say Bobby Brooks, Jonathan Logan, you know, so that the people out there knew that that was their outfit. I have an old cassette recording of the last Milliken show. Oh, really? Yeah, it. it's yeah. real rough. I had somebody with a little cassette recorder recording it you know but it might be give you an idea of what it sounded like also oh, what other sort of broadway stars and dancers did you work with on these shows um groverdale i worked with groverdale he was in the original west side and he was a choreographer too and also he was in the movie of west side you know and um 
gosh, I worked with so many great dancers. Michael Kubala, who was in Jerome Robbins' ballet, the, uh, the Jerome Robbins that was a few years ago on Broadway. Well, more than a few years ago now. But I worked with all the best dancers, yeah. you know, of my era and my generation. And I'd, have, I'd have to look through all my playbills to peel off all the names. <laughs> <laughs> But so you were saying that it is called the Millican Breakfast Show. So when you actually filmed it, was it early in the morning that you? Oh, yeah. Um, I would set two alarm clocks because I was afraid I'd oversleep because I'd come home at night at 11 o'clock doing my Broadway show and then have to go to sleep real fast and wake up around seven or so. I think we had to be there at eight uh, in the morning. And I think the show went on around nine or something like that. It was early. And, um, you know, and we did that for two and a half weeks. And uh, then certain days of the week, we had an afternoon show also. I think oh, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, and Thursday, something like that. And uh, we'd have the champagne show, the afternoon show. But every morning was the um, every morning was the breakfast show, Milliken breakfast show at the Waldorf. Yeah, yeah. So I have one program, one program from it. I don't know why I didn't save all my programs, but well, I didn't. But I did. I did from 1970 till the last one. I think the last one was 80 or 81, something like that. So I did 10 or 11 of the shows. Wow. All, every year we had to come back and uh, stand in a line and be picked again, you know, and you always worried, are they going to take me back? You know, and fortunately I was taken back. So your next Broadway show was Promises, Promises. So yes. What was it like to work with Michael Bennett? Oh, he was great too. You know, he was great. And um, I worked with him. Um, twice. I did an Ed Sullivan show where we danced on that with Carol Lawrence. It was the great big tap number. And then he hired me for Promises, Promises. And I did that for a while. And then I left that to do a show called On the Town with Ferran Field. Yeah. And um, then I did Pajama Game after that for Zoya Laporska, who um, worked with Bob Fosse in the original Pajama Game and coached Shirley MacLaine, teaching her Steam Heat um, for, the, for the original Steam Heat because the original dancers for Steam Heat were Peter Gennaro, Carol Haney, and I think Buzz Miller. I think he was the other boy, it was a trio. Yeah. And Zoya, Zoya um, then Carol Haney was sick and Shirley MacLaine had to fill in for her and Zoya Laporska um, taught her the, the dance. And that's when she was discovered by the movie producer from yeah. Warner Brothers. And she got into the movies from that show and became a big movie star. So in Promises, Promises, you also got to dance one of the most famous Broadway dances. On the, on the, on the desk. Did you? Uh, yeah. yeah. We, I danced Turkey for Lord. Michael in that. Yeah. Yeah. So Turkey Lurkey, yes, yes, that's what it was. I was on stage right in the front on that desk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't stand on the desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
there was one girl who was afraid to do it and she finally had to leave the show. Oh, she didn't want to jump up on the desk. She got nervous about it. And so they let her go. I think she's in casting now or something. Yeah. But I was fine. I didn't, I didn't mind it, you know, but it was turkey lurking. Yeah. 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 So you've worked with many big Broadway stars during your career, including Sherry Orbeck on this show. So who have been some of the ones you admired most or have the best stories about? Well, Jerry used to play polka during the show. So he'd go and sing and dance in a number and run off stage into his dressing room off the wings and play polka, play cards oh. with stagehands or something or whoever was there. You know, but he was he was a great guy, great guy. And I loved Bobby Morse, too, in Sugar. Bobby Morse was great. And who else? Donald O'Connor did a Millican show. Oh. Yeah, Donald O'Connor did one of the Millican shows one year. I can't really say there was anyone that was awful. They were all fun. Some, some performers are a little more standoffish, and they don't really socialize with the cast. Yes. But they weren't mean or anything. But Dom DeLuise, the comic, he was a lot of fun. He was had a great comic sense, always doing jokes. And um, and Tommy Toon, of course. Did you ever? Howard Keel was great in No Strings. He was very nice. But he was more of an L.A. person, too. He had been in California for many years doing movies and things out there. And uh, he took over for Richard Kiley in No Strings for the tour. And he was very nice, you know, and yeah, yeah, but they're all working hard and busy and, you know, and trying to do a great job. So you don't have a lot of time to just socialize. Yeah. So when you did On the Town, which was your next show, you were in the dance ensemble. So is there a style of dance that you particularly enjoy doing? that I liked that on the town. Well, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the choreography and on the town. Oh um, yeah. That jitterbug was very hard over, over choreographed. I thought, um, but my favorite dance show to do was Pippin because yeah. it, it, you could act and dance at the same time, you know, and, and um, yeah. That was my favorite dance show. And also uh, my one and only two, I enjoyed doing the choreography in that. Yeah. It was a big uh, um, kick in the clouds away. Uh, you might see that on a, on a Tony, the YouTube on Tony Award. They do that number, oh. kick in the clouds. And that's a great number. And uh, I loved doing that. So those are my two favorite, Pippin and my one and only. So I want to ask you one more on the town question. When you were doing it, were either of the original writers, Comden and Green or Leonard Bernstein? They came to Boston. They were in Boston and oh. to see the show. Yeah, yeah, they did come there. I remember um, Betty, Betty Comden coming there and um, they watched the show, I guess, to give pointers to Ron Field and, you so, know, and yeah. But you weren't maybe as big a fan admirer of Ron, Ron Field's Field. choreography. Yeah. Um, well, it was okay. I did um, 
the Lonely Town Ballet with a lot of lifts and things in Adagio with my partner, Tony Stevens, who went on to choreograph a few shows. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. That was nice. It was hard. It was hard. It was a hard show to dance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a hard show to dance. Big jitterbug number, which is always hard. <laughs> the next the next show you did was Sugar, which yes. was another Dower Champion show. Right. So are there choreographers that you feel you've sort of developed close relationships with by working with them a lot? Um maybe Bob Fosse. Yeah. But not close, like socially close, but just yeah. 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 Was yeah, um, Mm -hmm. Was Gower Champion someone you enjoyed working with? Yeah, but he was very, um, very uptight, a little uptight. And we had to sit outside the room when he was rehearsing with somebody else. And he had a red light on the door. And if the red light was on, you couldn't go into the room. If it oh, turned right. off, you could go into the room. Yeah. And he didn't like anyone sitting behind him in the theater when we were rehearsing in the theater. Everybody had to sit in front of him. And that red light, we had to sit out in the in the hallway if the red light was on. And it was very strict. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So being part of the all-girl band in this show, the Society Syncopators, did you have to learn to play an instrument? Yeah, well, I kind of, but not not. Totally. Yeah. 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 We had that. I had a trombone, I think. Yeah. 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 We kind of faked it. Wasn't real. Yeah. You know, they, they were a few real um, musician ladies in the band. There were okay. a few, two or, two or three that really played. Yeah. Yeah. So there were more great musical comedy stars in that show which were Robert Morse and Tony Roberts. Tony Roberts, yeah. I'm looking at my play, uh, my uh, poster right now. Any Lane Joyce, yeah, yeah. And um, we had a few sugars before Elaine Joyce got there. Oh, and really? Gower, Gower had a reputation for firing people in rehearsal. So you were always a little nervous. Well, am I going to get fired, you know? I mean, so there were a couple of people that did sugar. I can't remember who they were. Um, before we finally got Elaine Joyce, he wasn't happy with the look or whatever, you know, and, um, and Sweet Sue too, the lady that played Sweet Sue, there was one lady there and then she was let go. And then we got Sheila Smith, who was a, a real Broadway actress. Yeah. She did a lot of shows. So your next show was Pippin. So what was it like to audition for Bob Fosse for that show? Well, he wasn't at my audition. He, oh, um, okay. I auditioned for Louise Quick, who was his assistant. Actually, the very first audition for Pippin, I almost got the original Pippin, the very oh, first really? one. And I was in Sugar when that was auditioning. And I got a call back. And we went to the callback. And I was down to the last 10 or 12 girls. So we were all standing in a line. And then we had to sing a little bit. And uh, and he took four or five girls. It was a very small cast. Pippin is a very small cast. And um, he, I was down to the very end. 
and he took Catherine Doby, who had worked with him a lot, Anne Reinking, Pam Souza, Candy Brown, and there was one other girl, one other girl, I forget who the other girl was, but that, that was it. And um, I, that we, there were like 10 or 12 of us left at the very end. And, but I didn't get it, the original. But then later on I auditioned and his assistant was there and I got the show. I got it then, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. What was it like to work with him during rehearsals? Oh, very, um, he's very, he's very serious. No, um, no social talking. It's all about the work. Yeah. And he makes you do it over and over again. Let me see it again. Let me see it again. And no, no idle chit chat, no storytelling, no socializing, very serious, very, very disciplined, you know, and he gives you acting, acting things to think about as you're dancing. So Patricia Ziprot did the costumes for that show. And I want to ask you as a dancer, you must have to wear a lot of costumes in every show. So have you had to do a lot of quick changes? Sometimes, sometimes, but Pippin, we didn't, I think, well, I only had one change in Pippin. I had my regular players costume that they made for me when I went into the show. I didn't wear somebody else's. And then we had the uh, war is a science, but I only had those two. Sometimes you have fast changes, but there's always people there to help you. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, have, so. have you had a favorite costume that you've been able to wear during your career? Great. You know, and they're all different, you know, yeah. some, pre some prettier than others. Maybe in Hello Dolly, the Sunday clothes costume. Oh, yeah. And maybe Molly Brown, my uh, Machise costume. But they're all different, you know. And yeah. So I liked what I wore in Pippin. They made me a nice costume for Pippin. Yeah. So in Seesaw, which was your next show, there were a lot of changes made during the out-of-town tryout. So what right. did you think of them replacing Lainey Kazan and also bringing in Michael Bennett and Bob Avian? What did I think about it? Yes. Well, um, well, um, well, uh, we were, uh, Grover Dale did that originally, did the seesaw originally. And we went out of town to Detroit and we got very bad reviews. So the producer brought in Michael Bennett and Bob Avian and um, at the Fisher Theater in Detroit. And um, we, uh, Michael Bennett made us all audition again on the stage of the Fisher Theater. He gave us a com dance combination to do and we all had to re-audition. So then he fired a bunch of people and he kept me, I was kept. And they came in and they started and they fired Lenny Kazan and they fired uh, the boy that was playing the choreographer, Billy Starr. And they brought in Tommy Toon and they brought in Tommy Walsh and Bayork Lee and um, uh, uh, Michelle Lee, Michelle Lee came in and um, uh, who was the guy? The guy was um, Ken, Ken Howard, Ken Howard. Yeah. 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 And so then we, we all had to re-audition 
And then we started re-rehearsing and they cut some things. And of course, this was before Michael did Chorus Line. So he wasn't as famous then as he was, you know. So we all re-auditioned and then we came back to New York and we rehearsed some more and they kept changing everything and changing everything. And we just kept, you know, rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing, (laughs) you know, endlessly until we finally opened and... um, the reviews were much better. And Michelle Lee was great in the show. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what are your what is your opinion on out-of-town tryouts? Do you think that they're necessary or do you think that they're beneficial? Well, I think I think they're really I don't know if the word is necessary, but I think it's very good to have an out-of-town tryout yeah. because um People in New York don't see the show right away, you know, and you have a chance to fix things and re-rehearse and change things and get a feeling of what the audience might like. And years ago, all the shows went out of town, but I think now it's become much more expensive to do that, to travel the whole company and, you know, do that. Uh, So it's easier for them to rehearse here now and less expensive yeah. And just to open here and do previews. Um, but then you're taking a chance that people see the show and then you get bad word of mouth. People don't like the show. And then, you know, it puts a damper on the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so. do you remember what it was like the night that Mayor Lindsay was in the show? Yeah, I do. I do. He came and he looks just like Ken Howard, you know, he's tall and blonde and everything. And uh, he came in and that was a great publicity thing. Great publicity stunt, you know. So, um, you know, I do remember that. That was an exciting night. (laughs) Yeah, it was exciting. Yep. So your next show as you were saying, was the pajama game. So what was it like to work with an 86-year-old George Abbott as your director? Oh, right, yeah. Um, well, he was pretty good then. Was he 86 at that when I did pajama game? Yeah. Be- because I worked with him again at Paper Mill Playhouse when he did Damn Yankees. And oh. that was... Um, Wow. I think he was like 90 or 95 then. I mean, well, he was very good. He was a very bright man, you know, very bright, very solid, you know. And yeah. and then he had Zoe Laporska there who had done the original production. So she knew everything. She knew all the choreography and the direction. And then we had uh, Richard Adler, the composer. He, okay. um, he, was, he was helping out with the show, too. You know, they were all original people that were putting it back together. You know, so, so they really knew the show well. What did you think of Cab Calloway, who was also in the cast? Oh, well, he wasn't very good in the show. He oh. kept forgetting. I don't know whether he had a drinking problem or what his problem was, but he kept forgetting his lyrics on stage. He kept blanking out. And just kept going, you know, and stuff. And and we were dancing around him. And it was like hard because he was kept forgetting his, um, he wasn't very good in the show. 
So your next Broadway show was another one with Bob Fosse, which was Dancing. So what was it like to sort of work with him, I think this time towards the end of his career? Um, well, before I went into Dancing, I did all that jazz, the film. So oh, was that first? Yeah, it was right before. Well, Dancing, the original Dancing was before the film. And then I, I almost got that one too. I was down to the end of the audition for that also. But then I did the film and then I went into dancing. Um, but uh, it was great working with Bob, you know, he's very demanding and um, yeah, he was it's great. great. And his, his style is so different from everyone else, you know, it's a different style. So when you were when you were doing all that jazz, what is it? How is it different to sort of dance on the screen than on the stage? Well, you have to keep doing things over and over again when you yeah. when you're doing a film. You know, when you're on stage live, you're doing it once, whether it's good or bad, it's it's gone forever. But in film, they like a lot of things can happen technically happen where you have to keep doing the the choreography over and over again, you know. I mean, something could happen technically with the camera or the sound or something, and they want you to do it again, or, or then they shoot it at different angles. They, sometimes they shoot it flat on or from the side or something. So you're doing it, you're doing it in little pieces and you're doing it over and over again. So was Gwen Verdon involved in that or dancing and did you sort of meet her? She came, uh, one day she came to the rehearsal before we started shooting all that jazz to watch what Bob had done with the number and I guess give him some advice or whatever. I mean, he wanted her opinion on what he was doing, you know. Yeah. She came and she watched, she watched us, what we were doing and... Um, you know, she never told us what he said, or he never told us what Gwen said. But they, I saw them sitting together watching the number, and um, I'm yeah. sure she spoke to him privately afterwards what she thought, you know. And so, uh, yeah. so, what was your opinion of the movie, and what scenes can we see you in if we watch it? Um, well, I'm in erotica, the erotica scene the big dance scene. And I'm in a couple of like little crowd scenes and I'm in the re, the, uh, the audition scene at the palace. But I didn't get, uh, people say they noticed me in the film, but when I watch it, I don't see myself. I see myself in the dance, um, yeah, the erotica number, but I don't see myself in a lot of the other scenes as much as some of the other girls. So, but you'll you'll see me in the big dance number. Yeah. 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 So another movie that you did was Woody Allen's Everybody Said Hi. Yeah, everyone says I love you. Yeah, right. That's right. That was fun. So not as hard as not as hard as all that jazz, you know. Yeah. That was just fun. It was more fun. So yeah. I was there as much dancing in that? No. No, yeah. no, not as much. And it was much lighter wasn't as demanding and what was it like to work with Woody Allen well he's very quiet he doesn't talk to you very much and um he I think I think we kind of 
did the scene and then he lights it with the lighting people. He tells them how he wants all the lights. Yeah. And then we have to wait for all the lighting to get adjusted before we shoot it. And then he sits down in a chair and kind of falls asleep while they're doing all the lighting. And then we have to wait to start shooting, you know, the scene. He so, would, I, I, I noticed, and he wore the same clothes every day, like these corduroy pants and a sweater, very quiet. And the choreographer told us, Graziella, to, to Danielle said, now don't talk to Woody when you go on the set. Don't, he doesn't like people to come up and say how great he is or that you love him or anything. Don't say anything like that to him. He doesn't like that, you know, just stay away from him. So when we were, I was talking to one of the cameramen who I had worked with in all that jazz and um, we were outside and it was a nice October day and I was talking to the cameraman and I was talking about how the weather was so great and Woody was right near us and he said, he said to me, oh, what did you say? And then I was afraid to talk to him because oh. the choreographer said, don't talk to him. <laughs> And I said, oh, I was just saying how great the weather is, you know, but I was like, because then Woody said, oh, what'd you say? What'd you say? And and, and I said, oh, should I talk to him? Should I say anything? <laughs> you know, but he, he didn't like people coming up and gushing all over him, you know, I guess it's, it gets tiring after a while and he's working and he's busy and, and he's a lot older than you um, think he is, you know? I mean, he's gotta be, he's gotta be in his eighties at least now. I don't even think he's doing a film this year, is he? No, probably not. Yeah, I mean, he's getting really old and he looked old when I worked with him. I mean, he didn't look young, so you know, he's really getting up there in age. So do you, or how do you observe that movie stars are different from theater stars in their behavior? Well, Goldie Hawn was on the, everyone says, I love you, you know, and she didn't really talk to us either. She yeah. stayed by herself. She talked to, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Alda, um, Alan, Alan Al Alda. Alan she Alda. talked to him. Yeah, she, he was in it, and um, she didn't talk. She didn't mix in with us. And uh, I remember we all had to go to lunch, and I saw her sitting with her hairdresser or something. But she didn't sit with us and talk with us. And um, she was she would uh, go running. She would uh, if she wasn't needed on the set, she would go you know jogging around the block for exercise, and mm -hmm. um, you know keeping in shape. It's being serious and all that, you know, and, but she didn't really socialize with us. Yeah. So going back to your Broadway career and dancing, um, did you enjoy dancing to the songs that you may already have been familiar with? Yeah, 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 sure. Especially No Strings. That's a beautiful score. Yeah. You know, the Richard Rogers score is beautiful. And Gershwin, my one and only Gershwin music is beautiful. It's two of my favorites, yeah. yeah. So un unrelated to dancing, what is your opinion on staying in a show for a long time and how do you sort of avoid getting bored of it? 
Well, you do kind of get bored with it. Yeah, you do get bored with it. Um, and a lot of times I would leave shows, you know, uh, because I was ambitious and I wanted to do another show and to prove to myself that I could get another show. And so I would leave the show I was in, but then it's nerve wracking because you never know if you're leaving a show, if that new show you're doing is going to run and you, then you may be unemployed. Yeah. You know, so that's always very nerve wracking. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking because you don't know what's going to happen. So will you do a show even if you don't like the script? Um, well, I, as a dancer, you don't usually see the script. Oh. You just work with the choreographer, you yeah. know, and the music. So you don't really see the script. But, um, yeah, the dancers are separate from the actors and the principal people. The principals will see the script. And um, if, they, if they're big enough stars, they can influence the writer to change certain things you know, or have an input in the script. But dancers don't really have any input in that. And we have no power either. We don't have the power to, to do that, to influence anyone. Yeah. You know, only, only stars can do that. So you did the show My One and Only as a swing? Oh, so I went into it as the swing, yes. But then one of the girls, her knee, she had knee problems and she didn't go on the tour. So they put me in the show for the tour. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So then I was in the show for the tour. Yeah. When you were on Broadway, did you get to go on a lot or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, one Sunday afternoon matinee, um, it was very close to showtime. And I was with an old boyfriend and we were going to go out front. We were backstage and we were going to go out front through the pass door to watch the opening number. And he was going to leave and I was going to stay in case I had to go on. And I think they had already called the five minute call and the stage manager came up to me and said, Eileen, um, Sandy is having trouble with her voice. We're going to put the understudy on. And the I I had to go on for the understudy the understudy the dancer who was understudying Sandy Duncan, and this was like five minutes before the show started. So I and I was ready just to walk out front, say goodbye to my friend, and watch a little bit, and, and you know, and so I had to run downstairs to the dressing room, get made up quick, and throw my costume on, and uh, do the show. So, so that was, you know, things like that happen at times. Yeah. Yeah, they happen. So what was it like to work with Tommy Toon on both this and Seesaw? Oh, great, great, yeah. He's great. Tommy's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's demanding, too. He wants everything to be perfect, you know, and to be right and professional and great, you know, and he's always watching to make sure everything is done the right way. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. how did you get involved in Maryland? Um, I went to the audition. I went to this big audition. They had it at Radio City Music Hall in the great oh, big rehearsal okay. studio. And there were hundreds of people there. 
And I didn't know Kenny Ortega at all. He was from California. And I was in great shape because I had finished doing dancing and I was in really great shape and strong. And I went to the audition and he gave a hard audition. He gave forte turns and hard stuff, you know, and I got picked and I think I came back to the callback and uh, I got the show. I got the show and I didn't know him at all. I was, I was really proud of that because it's better. It's makes you feel better that nobody really knows you. You're not getting the job because they know you, you're getting the job because they liked your work, you know? Yeah. So, so that's, that was good. I just went to the audition. Yeah. yeah. So what, what did you think of having the show be a fable rather than the actual story with Marilyn? Yeah. Well, then we had two Marilyns. We had one Marilyn and then they let her go. And um, then we got um, um, Allison, can't Reed. Think of it. Allison Reed. Yes. And I had worked with Allison Reed in dancing. She was a dancer and dancing. Oh. Yeah. And I didn't really think she was right. She wasn't beautiful enough for Marilyn, you know, I mean, she did a good job. She, did a good job, but wasn't right either. And so um, then we rehearsed with her and uh, so and, uh, what, didn't, what didn't was work it, out. Yeah. So what didn't was it out. like to work with Kenny Ortega and then I believe Bayarka Lee came in too? Oh, then Tommy Walsh came in. Yeah, Tommy yeah. Walsh came in. Right, right. Well, Kenny was kind of nervous because he had never done a Broadway show, you know, and and uh, it's not good to take on a big Broadway show if you don't have that experience. He was from Los Angeles, you know, and he had never done Broadway. So he seemed really nervous about it all. And um, then he was let go. Uh, 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 while we're at the Mitzkoff, he was let go and all his people, his assistants were let go. And that's when Tommy Walsh came in. I don't remember Bayork being there, oh. but I remember Tommy Walsh being there. And Tommy Walsh came in and he changed a few things. But I had known Tommy Walsh from Seesaw. Yeah, I had done Seesaw with Tommy Walsh. So I did know him and he knew me. Yeah. So... Now, why do you think it was that the show maybe wasn't quite as successful as? Uh, Marilyn? Marilyn? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Kenny Ortega was prepared for it and thought it out, really thought it out, you know, and uh, not a good director. He had never done a show, a book show. He had never done a book show. To my knowledge, you know, so. And one of the writers, I remember one of the writers saying he had six months to get ready for this and he's still not ready and prepared. Yeah. And then Alison Reed, she was very popular at that time. She was doing a lot of shows and getting a lot of jobs, but I don't think she was really right for Marilyn. Yeah. You know. Recently, you worked in the costume department of Broadway's Phantom of the Opera, Phantom of the right. Opera on Broadway. Right, so right. what exactly do you sort of do at that show? 
I help them. I help them get dressed. I'm in the wardrobe department, and I help them get dressed in their costumes and quick changes and that kind of thing. A dresser, a dresser. Yeah. Was there a reason that you decided to sort of do this rather than dancing? Well, I was getting older, and um, after Molly Brown, the last show I did on tour with Debbie Reynolds, um, that was 89, 90, and, uh, you know, I was getting older, and there were all these young kids auditioning, and I thought, I've got to just find a job, a real job. So I called a few people that I knew that I had worked with, and you know, I signed up for the wardrobe department and I, I started at Les Mis. I got a job at Les Miserables and uh, I was there for a while. And then they put me at Phantom of the Opera. The, the wardrobe supervisor put me at Phantom of the Opera. And I was lucky to get it because these wardrobe jobs aren't easy to get either. Yeah. It's very political, it's very political, you know, and it's all who you know and all of that stuff. So um, I was lucky to do that. And I was in my 40s and I, you know, how, how long can you keep dancing, you know? Yeah. You know, so I needed to get like a real, a real job, not so, a performing job. So you also played in the producer's movie, you played a little old lady. So right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I auditioned for that and um, um, while I was in, I think I was in Les Mis when I did the Woody Allen film. And then I did uh, the producers when I was in uh, Phantom. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was hard. We had to jump up on these walkers and and do all the stuff that the young girls in the show was doing. Susan Strummond didn't re-choreograph it for the older women. You know, I mean, we were doing things that they were doing in the Broadway show. And I mean, I was already 50 years old. I mean, and doing things that a 25 year old is doing. I mean, I think she should have re choreographed it for the older women, you know, but she didn't. But unfortunately, I was strong enough and I did it, you know. And we had to fall over on our backs with the walker and the, oh. like a peel off thing. And it was hard, it was hard. And the walkers were under your arms and my arms were all black and blue. And oh. it was not easy, it was not easy, but I did it. I did it and uh, you know. And then the very last question I want to ask you is what lesson or what advice would you want to give to today's theater people from having been such a big part of the golden age of Broadway? Um, I would say, I would say, um, don't, uh, uh, don't stick to one thing. Um, like if you could dance, you should be able to dance, sing and act, be able to do as much as you can. And also don't um, keep yourself exclusively to the theater I wish that I had um, another, like another occupation It also, like maybe real estate, or I had invested in something like real estate, rented a place and I, to have some kind of security because show business is so insecure that when things close and fall apart and you don't have the job, you have to have another, another skill you know, 
like you saying directing and writing and so that you have other things that you can fall back on when one thing doesn't work out you know when one thing doesn't work out have something else that you can do i know it's hard because you really like doing show business but you have to be realistic also yeah. and have and have some kind of security also and tommy toom was very smart with that he was a good businessman you know he he uh, invested he bought property you know and um he, he was you have to be smart too yeah you can't have your head in the clouds and just think you know just think show business I remember when I was starting to, um, uh, a social worker was trying to say, what else could you do? I almost cried because I didn't really want to do it. They said, why don't you be an agent or a casting person? And I thought, oh, no, I'm a dancer. I can't be a cast, you know. I, I just couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. But you have to have other things. Yeah. You have to have other things, too. To be, um, like they say, when you invest in the stock market, you have to be diversified. You have to diversify yourself, you know, that kind of thing. So that you're not just limited to one thing. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. Well, it was an well. honor for me to be able to hear all your stories. And listeners, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you will join us again next week when I talk to legendary book writer John Weidman. John Weidman has written such famous shows as Assassins, Pacific Overtures, Roadshow, Contact, Big, The Revised Book to Anything Goes, Diamonds, and Happiness. I hope you will enjoy that episode. Thanks for tuning in.